morning, I would love to jump into our text pretty quick right away here in Scripture. Um, if you want to follow along in your Bible or your Bible app, we're going to be in the book of Luke in chapter 8, verse 22. And just to give you some context before we jump in this morning, this story is, is Jesus. He's hanging out with some of his, his disciples. And uh, like a lot of you have done this summer, Jesus is kind of in the mood, kind of feeling like he wants to go on a little boat ride out on the lake. And so we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall, this is a storm, came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples uh, all of a sudden remembered that Jesus was in the, the boat. And they went and they woke him up and said, Master, Master, we're, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. And, and, and then Jesus, uh, just with four words, he says something that you wouldn't expect someone to say in that whole situation where the disciples have just gone through this terrible storm. They've been afraid. They've just been worried and anxious and all the stuff that goes with that. And Jesus just simply says, where is your faith? Why are you afraid? And in fear and amazement, so they went from being afraid of this storm to going, wow, who is this? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and, and they, they obey him. Now, there's a lot of great stories that the guys like me, uh, pastors, we love to talk about in the Bible. And I've got my list of about four or five. They're kind of like at the very top there. They're just great to preach. This is one of them. There's so much in there to encourage us because there's so much about our, our everyday life experience with some of the stuff that we face and the storms in life that we face. This is right up there in, in one of the top stories that, that I, I love to preach about. And we could honestly just uh, camp here for a long, long time. We could talk about um, how great and powerful our God is, how nothing is impossible for him. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a storm. He can come along and, and make a way. Uh, we, could, we could camp here and talk about how we have a God who doesn't abandon us in the storm. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He, he's always right there with us. It doesn't matter how big the challenge you're, you're going through in life. It doesn't matter how difficult your circumstances might be. Uh, some of you have come in here this morning, and maybe you're just overwhelmed. You feel like it's the, the, it's, you're being crushed. But we have a God who doesn't abandon us in the storm. Unlike the, the, the voice of the enemy that whispers in our ear and says, uh, he's left you, he's abandoned you, he doesn't really care about you, he's got other, other things that he wants to take care of before you, you don't really matter. Those are all lies. Because the truth of the matter is God doesn't abandon us, he doesn't forsake us, he doesn't leave us, he's always right there in the boat, just a call for help away. We could talk about that, or we could also talk about how big our miracle working God is, how he's not small. He speaks to weather patterns and they obey him. And um, we could spend the morning celebrating all the times that God has come through for us, how he's come through for us maybe in a relationship, how he's come through for us maybe in a job situation. But time after time in our lives, God, he, he comes through and he intervenes. God is a miracle working God. And when we cry out to him, what he loves to do is he loves to enter into our storm and, and rescue us and save us and be a help and just be there for us. We could talk about all that stuff this morning, but we're not going to. Um, I preached this text 
um, a few times. I've heard it preached or taught probably hundreds of times. And every time that I've heard this story preached or I've talked about it, the story always ends right here. It ends with the, the disciples. They get a miracle from Jesus. Jesus speaks. Uh, the storm dies down. The boat just goes, I don't know how you picture it, but it's like the boat goes sailing off into the sunset. Jesus is right there on the front by the bow. He's got the, the wind just blowing through his long golden hair. He's like Leonardo DiCaprio on the front of the Titanic, just sailing off into the sunset. But that's not actually how this, this story ends. Um, as we're going to see, uh, the, the story doesn't end at the, the miracle that the disciples get. It doesn't end with the relaxing boat right off into the sunset. There's actually a lot more to the story. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when the Bible was first written, um, it didn't have these little uh, different sections and divisions that it has today. When the Bible was first written thousands of years ago, it didn't have chapters and it didn't have verses and it didn't have um, little subsections. It was just kind of all big one, one big text that was, was uh, to, uh, kind of blurred together. And uh, this little story right here that we read this morning, it's, it's in my Bible. I don't know how it looks in yours, but it's actually under this little section. So you probably can't see it, but it, it's, it starts in verse 22, and then it ends right over here in verse 25. And it even has its little, little heading there that says, Jesus calms the storm. You get to the end there, and it's like uh, the winds, it, they're in fear and amazement. And then end of section, it, it looks like the story is, is over. And this is, this is actually a good thing that the Bible has chapters and verses and all that stuff because uh, what it does is it helps us be able to kind of find a spot in the Bible really quick. Um, you think finding a verse in the Bible now is hard. Can you imagine if there wasn't chapters and verses and subsections and all that kind of stuff? But, but there is a downside to having all these, these sections. And the downside is this. Sometimes you can be led to believe that the story is over when really, it's not. And have you ever been there in life where you thought that the story was over, but really, really it wasn't? You know, maybe you thought that the miracle that God did in your life, or whatever that looks like, or whatever that was, maybe he set you free from something, maybe he healed you from something, uh, maybe uh, just in the way he saved you, uh, you, you look at that and you can go, okay, that, that's kind of it, here I am, I'm just, it's it's, it's life and life to the full for me. And God's going, hey, wait a second. I got, actually got a lot more to the story that I want to write. I did some cool stuff in your life, but I've got, I've got more. Or maybe for you, your, your story, your, your life just kind of took a turn for the worse. You had all these hopes and plans. You know, when you first started off, off in life, it was all going to turn out like this, but it didn't. And, and you're going, okay, the story, it, it's, it's just gone a completely different way. And you have this sense that it's over, but God is up there in heaven with a little smile on his face going, if only you knew. There's a whole lot more to the story. For someone else, you just maybe feel like God's done all that he's going to do in and through your life. And, and now you feel like there's just no more gas in the tank, like you're old and washed up, like you've just been around, and, and, and God's got to be just done with you, and maybe he's moving on to the next generation or something, however you think through, through all this stuff. But you have this, 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 this perspective that makes you go, okay, my story is done. But God is going, no, the story is not over. It is not over. And I think sometimes we can even get here as a church. You know, we've seen God do some things in our church. We've seen 
awesome things over the last uh, several years since we've been around. And, and maybe for you, maybe things become familiar. Maybe you're not seeing things quite the way you th- you're expecting to see them, and, and you and you can settle in this place where you kind of have this apathy, and you go, okay, the story must be over here, but God is going, no, the story is not finished for CTK Ferndale. I still have a lot of things that I want to do through this church. And, and for the disciples in the boat, it looks like the story has wrapped up, but it hasn't. In fact, Jesus is actually just getting revved up. He's just getting started. And what I want us to see this morning is what happened after Jesus calmed the storm. What happened uh, when the boat finally got to where Jesus wanted it to go in the first place? Jesus doesn't just say, let's go to the other side of the lake because he's got nothing else to do. He's saying, let's go to the other side of the lake because he's got something that he wants to do. He's got a plan. And, and what was on the other side of the lake that was such a big deal to Jesus? What we're going to see in just a second here is that in this particular story with the boat and the storm and the miracle from Jesus, that the story isn't over because Jesus actually has another storm that he's about to calm. Only this storm that he's about to calm has absolutely nothing to do with the weather. And the Bible goes on to say that they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So eventually what happens is the boat pulls up on the shore and uh, that shore must have been just a very, very welcome sight for these guys. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat in a storm uh, where it's just like rocking and you just didn't know if you're going to make it out alive. When you finally hit that dry ground, it is a welcome sight. And I imagine Peter, he gets out of the boat. He probably just like gets on this, the sand. You know, his hair's wet. His clothes are dripping wet. He probably just lays there, sprawls out just relieved that he's alive, relieved that here he is on dry ground, and, and just he's enjoying the moment, but it's a moment that's not going to last very long. The story continues saying, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Now, this can't be good, right? I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but I've never had it happen where I've taken a road trip somewhere, and I've gotten out of the car or off the plane, and I've been met by a, a, a demon-possessed person. I've never had that happen. Now, the mother-in-law's place doesn't count, okay? But, but <laughs> you're going, <laughs> I've never, ha- never had that happen like this. And, and what, <laughs> but, but it's, some, it's this, this moment where this guy comes up, Who's, he's, he's, he's messed up, and he's, he's got some serious issues. For starters, this guy is, he's, he is a, a hideous sight. He's naked, as we're going to read in a second. He is a bloodied mess. His hair is probably completely disheveled, overgrown. He, he, he probably has dirt caked all over his body. He smells really bad. And to top it all off, he's totally on edge. And Peter and, and the rest of the guys, I'm sure, are probably going, okay, we want to be back on the boat. We don't care what's happened on the lake. We want to be back there. And the Bible goes on to say that for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Now, that's some scary stuff right there. He's living with dead bodies. That's how messed up this guy's life has become. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, 
and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. And for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. And then Jesus, fearless as could be, gets kind of conversational with this guy. Where most of us are going, we're turning around and we're walking the opposite direction. Jesus who's just so full of love and so full of courage, has absolutely zero fear whatsoever. He actually gets conversational with the guy, and he asks the guy what his name is. The Bible says Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. You know, talk about having your identity wrapped up in your pain and your dysfunction. This guy's identity is so wrapped up in his pain and dysfunction that he's named himself after his 1,000 biggest problems in life. He's a broken man lost man in need of a miracle. And the story continues saying, and they begged Jesus, these are the demons in this guy, uh, they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and this story is about to get crazier. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And James looks at John and says, yep, that just happened. No, it doesn't say it in the Bible. But when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, if you're one of the disciples in this situation, you're, you're, you're going, this has just been the craziest day ever. Understand, they are probably still wet from this storm that Jesus just calmed. Then they get on the shore, and along comes this crazy guy who's got all these demons inside of him. Jesus takes care of all that. The pigs drown in the lake, and all this has happened possibly within like an hour or, or, or two of each other. And, and here now is this guy just sitting across from them, completely at peace, set free, and healed by Jesus it's another miracle. And here's what, what God wants you and me to see today. Jesus did not bring the disciples through that storm for their sake only. You know, yes, he wanted them to know peace. Yes, he wanted them uh, to, to just to see him for who he really is. Yes, he had a bunch of things that he still had in store for these guys. I mean, he was going to launch the church through these guys. He, he brought them through that storm because he wanted to bless them, but it wasn't just for them. The story that Jesus was writing that day was, was a miracle that he performed on their behalf, but it was also something that he wanted them to be a part of where he was going to uh, work alongside of them and perform a miracle in someone else's life. You see, God never works in our lives for our sake alone. He never works in our lives for our sake alone. He always works in our lives for the sake of others too. Every time. And Jesus knew about this broken man. He loved him. He wanted to rescue him, to save him. And so he tells his disciples to hop in the boat. They're going to the other side. And the disciples don't even know it, but they're actually on a rescue mission. And then what happens is, like always happens in life, in your life and in my life, a storm comes along, an unexpected storm. 
that kind of gets them off track a little bit. But Jesus comes along, and he, he works this miracle, but it wasn't just for them. It was so that they could go, and they could carry Jesus to the other side of the lake where Jesus would perform this amazing work in this man's life. And a couple questions for, for you this morning that you don't have to answer out loud. Where has God been working in your life? Where have you seen God work in your life in the past? Now, just for a second, just allow your memory to, to be jogged. Where has God worked in your life? Maybe he's performed uh, something in your life, just a, a miracle of some sort. Where has God worked in your life? Maybe it was in the way that he just he carried you through some kind of dark valley that you're going through. Maybe some grief and some, some sorrow. Maybe it was his hope that he brought. You know, you're in the middle of a, just a, a devastated relationship, and God came along, and he brought you hope. He brought healing of some kind. Maybe you were just floundering in life with no purpose, and God came along, and he gave you a lot of purpose. Maybe there's someone here in the room, you're going, I don't really have a time in my life where he performed a miracle in my life. Well, if you're here, and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a a, a living demonstration of our miracle-working God who takes what is dead to sin and he makes it alive. That's you this morning. You're a walking miracle. He made you a brand new creation. And guess what? Whatever it is that he, he did for you back there, he didn't just do it for you. He did it so that he could work through your life to bless, to save, to deliver, to rescue someone else. This last week, I got to be a part of something that I've never been a part of before. It was a super cool thing. Uh, we have a family in our church, Kevin and Angel Finsrud, and this last week, uh, they adopted three teenage boys. And uh, three of them were actually, uh, well, they were, all, they were all in the Go Camp video that we just showed. And uh, so uh, that happened Thursday morning, and so they invited me to come and be a part of that. And it was so amazing. You that have walked through that before, you know how incredible this is. And, and we got in there, and uh, uh, the judge comes out, and uh, the three boys are sitting there at the table, and she's on the other side of the table. And she talks about what this means and how these three boys, it's going to be no different than as if they're, bi- the bi- they're biological kids. And she explains all that, and then she signs the paper, and she hands the gavel to each one of the, the kids, and they got to slam it down and make it official. And then everybody just erupts and cheers and claps. It was, a, it was a very special moment. Now, if you know Kevin and Angel, you know anything of their story, you know, you know that they have not, you know, it hasn't just all been a cakewalk. They have gone through stuff. They, God has come through and he's worked miracle after miracle after miracle in their life. They've, they've, they've experienced God's healing, the way he comes in and rescues. But they've got to this place where they're going, this isn't just about us. Now, it's, it's, it's about us giving it away and sharing it with others. And so they take these, these boys into their home where they're just going to love on them and they're just going to care for them and they're just going to uh, be a blessing to them like, like God has, has blessed them. They take the miracles that God's done in their lives and they share it with others. And maybe as you're hearing all this, maybe there's somebody in the room, you're just going, okay, Rich, but you have no idea of the storm that I'm in right now. Uh, I'm like the disciples that are still out in the lake and my life is just so chaotic, and there's just and things are so difficult. I, I, I'm, I have no capacity whatsoever right now to begin thinking outside of myself because the storm that I'm in right now is that big. Now, maybe some of you in the room are in that boat, and what you need more than anything else 
is, is you need to get in a place where, where Jesus can come alongside of you and he can just take you to shore. But the reality is that most of us in this room, we allow stuff uh, to keep us from sharing what God has done in us, from keeping the keep, we allow that stuff to keep us from sharing it with others. And in reality, it's stuff that really shouldn't get in the way of us sharing our lives with others. Maybe you're going, oh, my schedule's just so full. It's so full, you know, it's, it's overwhelming you. Maybe you're not feeling 100%. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with doubt. You're feeling tired. Or you're going, oh, my finances are just so tight, and I'm just so stressed, and I'm just so worried, and I'm just so anxious, and my life is just so this and so that, and it's just so crazy and all this kind of stuff. If you're the kind of person who lets this kind of stuff keep you from t- sharing what God's done in you with somebody else, guess what? You will never be the kind of person who shares what God's done in your life with somebody else. And here's why. It's because everything that I just mentioned is part of life. It doesn't ever go away. And if you've figured out in your life how to make it go away, please talk with me after service. I'd love to have the secret sauce, okay? It's life. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. And, you know, I've made it no secret and in my life some of the struggles that I've had with worry and anxiety. And uh, it's been one of those things, fear, that, that has kind of just plagued me. It's one of those things that seems like it's just kind of lurking behind the door all the time, just ready to, ready to pounce. And, and uh, um, I've got the pressures of life, you know, deal with being overwhelmed at times, uh, uh, pressures of leading a church, pressures of, of leading a family with six different people living in my home who have six different personalities and six different schedules and all the different things that happen when you have a, a, a family. I've got all that stuff. And my prayer life uh, for the longest time, actually seemed to be on repeat. It was simply, God, help me. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed again, or I'm anxious, or I'm worried, or I'm fearful, or this, or that. And, and there have been times in my life where it seemed like I just needed a miracle in order to just have peace of any kind. And what I needed was for God to come and intervene in my life. And he did. Um, in the form of a, a, a little trip to a little town called Camelou, Mexico, and um, serving kids, giving food away to people who don't have any food, working on homes, preaching to people who, who need to be encouraged. And just before the trip, though, one of our team leaders, uh, Yesenia, who's here this morning, um, she sent everybody this, this individualized word of encouragement that was just a, I mean, she was speaking what God was putting on her heart. And uh, Yesenia wasn't able to go on the trip because of health uh, issues that came up. And so as we were uh, getting ready, as we, actually we had left, and it was, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning or something like that. And we were all like super groggy and tired as we were driving off to Seattle to fly away. And uh, we get this text. And uh, I don't know who it was that got the text. I can't remember. But the text was read. And uh, the, the piece that, that Yesenia sent to me Part of it read that like this. She said, pay attention to the littlest things that, let's try that again. Pay attention to the littlest things that make these people's hearts happy. You'd be surprised with how little they worry when they have so much to be worried about. And here's what God was wanting me to see 
from before we even, like, took off in the plane. He was wanting to expose some stuff in my life that I had become guilty of. I had become so focused in on my own issues, my own problems, my own storms, worry, fear, doubt, being overwhelmed, whatever that might be, that I had become so focused on that that I had allowed that to gobble up all my time, all my energy. And, and if I'm not careful, it can get to the point that I forget that, that there's a whole lot of people out there who are going through a whole lot bigger storms than I'll ever go through in life. But if I'm too busy just looking at my own storms, my own stuff, that, all, you, that I'm always going to be going through in life because life is hard. It's not easy. If I'm just always focused in, 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 in on me, I'll completely miss it. And before I know it, you know, I'll, I'll be in the last days of my life going, man, I squandered a lot of time. I squandered a lot of energy. I squandered a lot of, a lot of prayer times, a lot of times with Jesus that were just all about me when I could have been praying for others. I squandered that because I was so caught up in my own world and my own life. Jesus works in your life for your sake, but he also works in your life for the sake of others. And, and it's interesting how this story goes um, that we've been reading in the Bible. Because, you know, maybe you're going, that's awesome. God brought the disciples through, and then God works in this man's life, and end of story. But it's not the end of the story. The story's got, it's got more to it. Jesus uh, does this miracle in this man. He sets this broken, chained-up man free. And, and God's got more that he wants to do. The Bible says next that the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. He's begging to go with Jesus. Now, if you're Jesus in this situation, just put yourself in that, that, that place for a minute. And here's this man in front of you who's just gone through all this stuff. And who knows how many years he's been struggling with this, this stuff and with these demons that have just been haunting him. And now here he is. He's in a place. He's been set free. And he's, he's calm and he's at peace. But he's probably still got a lot of stuff that he's going to have to work through. Um, for all we know, this guy doesn't even know who Jesus really is. I mean, this guy shows up on this beach and, and next thing you know, he's just setting you free from all this stuff. Who knows? He might not have even known who Jesus was. And if you're Jesus in this situation, you're probably going, okay, what would be best for this guy is to just come hang out with me for, for a few days, maybe a few weeks. We're going to get him under some, some solid ground underneath him. We're going to just love this guy and, 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 and help him get to a place of even more healing. That would seem like the right thing to do in that situation, wouldn't it? But Jesus doesn't do that at all. In fact, he does just the opposite. The Bible says, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. God works in this man's life in an incredible way, but he doesn't work in this man's life just for him. He works in this man's life for the sake of others too. And it's the same thing with you. It's the same thing with me. God works in our lives not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. He sends us. He sends us to tell what God has done for us. And what God is calling us 
as individuals to do and what he's calling us to do as a church is to be people who live not just blessed lives, but we live sent lives. We don't just live lives that are about us and our thing with Jesus and you know, me getting life and me getting healed and whole. We don't just live blessed lives. We live sent lives. Sent to your coworkers, sent to your neighbors, sent to the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you, the person sitting beside you, sent to your family, sent to our community, sent to places like Mexico, wherever it is that God will lead us. That's what God is calling us to do, to be a people that live sent lives, to go where he wants us to go and to be a light, to bring his kingdom wherever he leads us. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we just want to say thank you that you are a God who loves us so much that you came down to rescue us. God, you care so much about us that you stepped into our storm and you saved us. Lord, I thank you for all the times in our lives, God, the times represented by the, the men and the women of this room, God, where you have come in in a strong, mighty way and rescued. And God, we just want to say thank you. You're good. You're, you're incredibly uh, compassionate. Thank you so much for the blessings that you put on our lives. But God, now you're asking us this morning, God, you're, you're asking us as a church, God, here in this season that we're in, to not just be about us, to be, but to be a church that is about being sent. Being sent. And God, the reality is that, God, as soon as we step outside of the, 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 the walls of this building, God, we are leaving as sent people. And God, this week, God, we're going to come in contact with family members, God, with coworkers. God, we're going to come in contact with people that don't know you or people that do know you, but they're in a place where they're just broken. And God, you're, you're bringing those people into our lives because you want us to take what you've done in us and share it, to tell what God has done for us. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to be people that are bold, that are courageous, that are so full of love for you and love for people that we don't hesitate when it comes to you sending us. God, I just want to pray that you would help us to be a people that, that just says yes when you send us. God, we're like this man in this story. There's nothing in there that says he complained about this. There's nothing in there that, that says he was upset about you sending him. He just simply went and he told all that you'd done. And so, Father, help us to be that kind of people, I pray. In your name, amen. Amen.